January 20th is an important day every quadrennial for the United States. Every four years, it's the day a president is sworn in, and this January 20th is no different. The inauguration of Joe Biden as president brings the Trump presidency to a close, and it'll mean a change for U.S.-Canada relations. And while some Canadians want to get the relations between the two countries back on amicable footing, there are some challenges ahead for the new president. I'm Adam Toy. And I'm Dave McIver. And this is why. Congratulations are pouring in here north of the border for both Biden and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris. In a statement, Justin Trudeau said the Canada-U.S. relationship is unique on the world stage and he looks forward to working with the new administration as, quote, we tackle the world's greatest challenges together. Trudeau included COVID-19, climate action and economic prosperity on that list. Those are all areas to watch as the new U.S.-Canada relationship develops. Normally on This Is Why, we look at questions through a Canadian lens at events that are happening here in Canada or issues that affect Canadians. So it's a bit of a departure for us to talk about events south of the border. The inauguration of a new U.S. president following the tenure of a particularly polarizing one is expected to affect Canada for years to come. And regardless of where you sit on the political spectrum, Joe Biden as president will be a stark contrast to Donald Trump. Let's go to Ottawa. Melissa Hausman is a professor of political science at Carleton and joins us. Thanks so much for your time, Melissa. Thank you very much. So, Melissa, in just days, uh, President-elect Joe Biden will be inaugurated. He will be sworn in and will become the 46th president of the U.S. Um, but before that, uh, wanted to take a look back at the 45th president. I'm wondering how you would characterize Canada-U.S. relations under uh, the outgoing president, Donald Trump? Not very easy ones. Um, I, I'm doing some research right now on Brexit, and it appears that Trump is of the same cloth as some of the Brexiteers, those who think of themselves as disaster capitalists who actually make money hmm. when there aren't rules and when they break the sort of existing consensus. And I see the incoming president as the complete opposite of that. He does favor multilateral rules. You know, we know that Trump would slap tariffs on China and on Canada, by the way, you know, on a whim. He also didn't appoint the appellate judge panel to the WTO. So he wasn't really good with the international and multi multilateral trading framework. So from the point of view of what's happening, I think we've got a much more positive event on the horizon. So for Canadians, how do you see a Biden presidency and what does that mean for folks north of the border? Well, there are a couple of issues here. Of course, everybody's interested about the Keystone issue and the fact that that's gone back and forth between Obama and then Trump. Um, where it seems to be sitting now is that, yes, the Nebraska Supreme Court, which is one of the contesting states, approved it in August after it had gone up through the court system However, we know that um, the company behind the pipeline is taking some rather aggressive actions in Nebraska to try to get people to agree to have their land taken um, by a foreign company by eminent domain. I mean, in a couple of the other states, South Dakota and Montana, it apparently proceeded pretty well, but Nebraska's holding out. Um, Joe Biden, when he was campaigning for the nomination, said he didn't like Keystone. He wasn't going to approve it. 
Um, and so we just don't know. On the other hand, some people have brought up the jobs angle. Um, Biden thinks of himself as a very pro-union guy, and he's just appointed, actually, the former mayor from my native state, uh, from Boston, Massachusetts, as his labor secretary. And Marty Walsh has held many positions in labor. He's a real pro-labor guy. So if they can make the case that there's jobs associated with a pipeline, and of course there are, that may win out over some of the environmental arguments. But that's going to be a real sharp argument to watch, I think. Melissa, how much do you think that the Keystone XL matter will set the tone for international relations between the two countries? Well, um, I think you could say that probably Canada and specifically Alberta uh, place a higher uh, salience or importance on the issue. I think, I think it, at least from the official signals and what's been given out in interviews, it seems that the U.S. doesn't feel quite so strongly about it. So it would seem as probably more important to Canada. But the other thing that's interesting too is that when Obama was president and Biden was vice president. He helped with the negotiations of the Trans-Pacific Partnership, which, mm-hmm. of course, Congress never ratified and Donald Trump walked away from. So that may be something that uh, Biden could restart because he would seem to be amenable to that deal. And that could be good. That would involve very likely more trade and services between the U.S., Canada and, of course, the Asian countries that are included. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, I mean, a pipeline, or at least the Keystone XL pipeline uh, and TPP, these are all, uh, you know, very economic matters. Um, I'm wondering what your thoughts are on um, a post-pandemic economic recovery for the two countries. I mean, the, the, that's going to be the first, the, the pandemic is going to be the first challenge for uh, a, a, a newly inaugurated or freshly inaugurated uh, Joe Biden. Then you'll have uh, he'll have to also try to seek to to reunite a divided country, but then also once this pandemic has passed, uh, have an economic recovery underway. How do you expect that to play out um, under a newly formed Biden administration and a Trudeau government that seems to be ideologically in lockstep with uh, with the president-elect? Well, Biden every day is making announcements that he's getting more vaccines released. Uh, It's very interesting. So he does seem to be much more interested in getting these vaccines ramped up. Of course, in both countries, there's that debate now over, do we give everybody a first vaccine or do we still do it on the one, two schedule? So nobody's quite sure about Mm. that. And um, we know that some Canadian sunbirds are in fact flying to Florida to get their vaccines, which is kind of interesting. But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, clearly they're they're of very close ideological and pragmatic temperament. So I see the relationship is working really well. And I, I do think clearly, given that we're each other's most important economies still, we will be working together uh, to get relationships and the economic um, uh, inter- economically intertwined situations working together. So I'm sure there's common ground there. There's no question. Uh, you mentioned earlier that uh, President Trump seemed to have more of a nationalistic and unilateral approach to international relations. 
Um, and it seems that that, you know, uh, uh, this 46th president, um, Joe Biden, he will uh, probably have a bit more of a, a multilateral, uh, classically liberally democratic approach to international relations. Do you expect any damage that that may have been done to Canada-U.S. relations, do you expect that to be treated as as water under the bridge by Canadian officials? Or will, Mr., will, the, pre, will the new president, uh, Biden, will he have to do some repair? That's an interesting question. Um, I think in general, probably people on both sides of the border are very eager to see things improve. The one area where I could see, of course, again, depending on what happens with a pipeline, Biden and Jason Kenney might not, not might not be the best <laughs> of friends. But sure, I think in general, I think people are very willing to have things get back to a better tone and a better plane and work together. I think that's in both. It's definitely in both countries' interests. The United States has has long been heralded as this this great experiment in in democracy, and and you know through the the Trump presidency that has been tested, we'll say. Um, and 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 the 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 view of uh, or the 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 regard of of you know a liberal democracy is has maybe taken a hit or two uh, internationally. Do you see uh, Joe Biden's presidency as um, like how do you see his presidency as as a way to repair that or to change the view of of democracy? There's some interesting pieces to that. I mean, I think he is certainly best placed to help unify the country, that is, those who want to be unified. Um, And, of course, with Kamala Harris, who's also very calm and pragmatic at his side, I think the two of them are going to be very well placed to be doing this healing thing. I mean, the thing that's interesting is that, um, yes, historically, the voter suppression has worked against African-Americans and Latinos and Latinas, but actually they were turning out in record numbers um, and they helped Biden in Georgia. And of course, we wouldn't have elected the two Democratic senators in Georgia without all the hard work done by Stacey Abrams, Mm -hmm. the former secretary of state. So in some ways, um, I think we could say that basically those who traditionally were suppressed have actually been going to the polls more and more. We saw them standing in line for hours um, so that I guess I wouldn't say it's so much democratization. It's um, it's uh, the case has always been. And this is because in the U.S. Constitution, the states are the ones in the towns and the counties who administer federal elections, which is crazy, but that's the way it is. <laughs> yeah. And um, so you get, of course, and it's relevant to the pandemic, too, because the states are the ones who have the health powers. Mm-hmm. So that's why you get this weird variation across states in terms of what they can do and what they can't do. But um, I would say I, I think things are looking pretty good in terms of the actual turnout of the traditionally marginalized and repressed communities. The, mm-hmm. <laughs> the problem is the extra democratic or anti-democratic actions, such as the ones we saw in the takeover of Congress, which, you know, as an American, one finds the pictures and the actions just sickening. So, yeah, um, yeah that that's going to be, I think, one of the main issues, um, how the Republican Party tries to distance itself from Trump to stop allowing these kinds of really crazy and off-the-wall actions and statements 
uh, from being perpetrated. Melissa, I'm wondering if there are any underappreciated aspects of a Biden presidency from a north of the border perspective, let's say something that maybe you've been thinking of. Well, certainly his very strong efforts to get different groups represented in his cabinet picks, um, you know, first Native American as interior secretary and lots of women and men of different racial and ethnic backgrounds. I think that's great. We'll see how it happens now uh, in the Senate, given that there's Mm 50-50. And so basically Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer are going to have to figure out ways of dealing with that in terms of committee assignments and who votes, who gets priority and what votes. It's going to be a little messy. But yeah, from Biden's point of view, I think it's great. His um, his diverse cabinet, which also recognizes the historic diversity that we now have in the U.S. House, particularly, but also the Senate and, you know, first African-American senator from Georgia. Amazing. So that's one perspective. We also reached out to the former U.S. ambassador for Canada, Bruce Heyman, for his thoughts on what a Biden presidency will mean for Canada. Well, it means a reorientation to partnership to honesty, to integrity, to, you know, transparency, to friendship, to understanding and appreciating that the U.S. is stronger with our ally, not stronger going it alone. A very different approach, a collaborative approach, something that I know uh, the vice president, soon to be President Joe Biden well, President-elect Joe Biden. I know him well. And I know and I've traveled with him in various places in Canada. And I was with him with the prime minister Trudeau just at the end of the term of the Obama Biden presidency. And I can tell you this, these two men will work closely together. And I think it's good news for Canada-U.S. relations. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like President-elect Biden uh, is going to move more towards a a liberal, a return to liberal democracy. Um, But it seems to me that that he's got a few challenges ahead of him before he even reaches outside of the borders of the United States. There's the getting a handle on the pandemic and then uniting a divided country. Where does where do you think international relations with neighbors like Canada and Mexico uh, fall for as in terms of priorities for uh, President-elect Biden? I think they, you know, when you're a president, you can't just do one thing and then focus on the next thing and then focus on the next thing. You have to have multiple things going simultaneously, especially a country as large and as complicated as the United States. And so international affairs can't take a backseat to domestic issues And so you're going to have to have a very effective State Department continue to work ahead. I know the the Secretary of State designate, Tony Blinken, well, and he's going to be fantastic in terms of outreach. And I know how he feels about Canada as well. So I think that we're going to have to, you know, fix the pandemic first and foremost. We have Mm 4,000 people dying a day. Mm -hmm. We have a vaccine distribution that's not working. So that's got to be the first thing that this new president has to focus on, getting money to the hungry and the people who are disadvantaged as a result of the pandemic in and of itself. You know, we have great wealth created in the stock market, but we also have long food lines created 
this bifurcated economy and the haves and have-nots has really been exacerbated by the pandemic in and of itself. So he's going to have to focus on that. Clearly, we have a divided nation. Clearly, you saw the events of this last week and the, the tumult that has been created in the aftermath of this insurrection fomented by President Trump. And the ramifications of that will last much longer than the clearing of the debris and the burying of the unfortunate people who have passed away. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he has his hands full. I mean, you know, tough economy, tough uh, health care issues with this pandemic. He's got a divided nation. He's got brain repair all around the world. I mean, you know, this is this is as much on anybody's plate that any president may have faced maybe since FDR in the Depression or Abraham Lincoln in the Civil War. And so, you know, it's 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 a tough road ahead, but he has selected some really capable, experienced people to work around him. You say that you, you are very familiar with both uh, President-elect Biden and a lot of his uh, office designates. I'm wondering how what you expect of the economic recovery of the U.S. And because the U.S. and Canada are such tight uh, trading partners, Canada as well, how do you see the economic recovery going for the two countries uh, post-pandemic? So Canada's largest trading partner is the United States. 75% of your exports go mm-hmm. to the United States. Nearly 100% of your energy exports go to the United States. And so a strong U.S. economy is in Canada's best interest from top to bottom. You know, the better we are, the more economically vibrant the United States is, the more product you can sell to us, make with us, and uh, it, it bleeds across the border clearly from tourism and travel and consumerism, et cetera. So I think that having Joe Biden with a new stimulus package, which I think will take place, and I'm hopeful he can get a large infrastructure package put together, um, that I think it'll be good news for both of our countries um, as the United States you know, diversifies its recovery from this pandemic. This is Why is produced by me, Adam Toy, and Dave McIver. It's a national radio show and a podcast. You can reach us by email at thisiswhy at globalnews.ca and on Twitter at thisiswhy. If you like what you hear and want to hear more, make sure you subscribe to This Is Why so you never miss an episode. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing, tell a friend. Thanks for listening. Wash your hands, wear a mask, and stay home. We'll see you soon. 